Good morning, everybody. We are back with another great episode, but before we start out, we got a few ad reads for you guys. Uh, first and foremost, we want to thank our sponsor, ElectroVoice, and we actually have a cool story about ElectroVoice. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, but we want to thank those guys. They make microphones, they make live PA solutions. Go check out their website, ElectroVoice.com, for some more information, and then we also want to thank our sponsor, SK Coffee. Uh, You can find out more about those guys on skcoffee.org. But briefly, they are a Minneapolis-slash-Boston-based coffee company, and they offer subscription services, all sorts of cool coffee accessories on their website. Uh, Their beans and their roasts are fantastic. And very exciting news, they are now, if you're in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area, they are now located in all Kowalski stores around the area, which is a local grocery store. So thanks to our sponsors, guys. And uh, like I briefly mentioned about ElectroVoice, we had a cool story. So Megan and I got to go out to ElectroVoice's headquarters here in Burnsville, Minnesota last week. And we can't really say too much because we had to sign an NDA. And But what we can talk about was pretty awesome. We got to tour around a little bit. We got to see the quietest room in the world, which is a room full of bass traps and all sorts of soundproofing that extend about three feet deep before it actually hits the walls and a suspended floor. You walk in there and within seconds, if you're quiet, you can just start hearing your heart beating. It's kind of mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, it's quieter in there than I have been this whole episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very true. Um, We'd also like to shout out to uh, Dr. Scoot on our uh, SoundCloud for one of, I think, one of the best comments we've had so far. Dr. Scoot? Um, It's it's right at the beginning of our last episode. It says, um, what's the song no one cares about your coffee? So thank you, Dr. Scoot. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our ads, guys. We appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, that's not a song. The intro track I produced for an intro for this podcast. So yeah. no, you can't download it somewhere. And no, it's not a full song. And, and we've had several questions about that. So there you go, you guys. That's all you get is that 30 seconds. That's it. That's you can listen it. to it over and over. And that's it. And that's it. All right. Now, moving into the important topics of the day. Mm, this What's one. happening? Oh, God. What's happening? Hot stuff. So just briefly, I want to touch on this. Last week, Donald Trump came out and offered to buy Greenland, which I think is funny. And I got thinking about it. Is it pronounced Greenland or Greenland? And how do you pronounce Iceland? Is it Iceland or Iceland? I don't think anyone really cares that much. Really? I don't know. I don't know. I was driving me nuts the other day. I was trying to think of it, and they both sounded wrong. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll never know. We'll never know because... We'll never own Greenland as the U.S. because the rest of the world pretty much laughed us out of the room as soon as that came out. And it's been a running joke for the last week here. Uh, Conan How are O'Brien, we even in the room? I don't know. How are we still in the room? I don't know. Jesus I don't know. Christ. Anyway, we're not buying Greenland. It's a pipe dream. No, like, and you know what? Here, let's let's move on and let's talk about um, some other hilarious political moves. Yeah. Okay. A little bit more... Uh, within the country we currently own some domestic political issues yeah so i was in denver the last week shout out to base physics and kofresi who we've had on the podcast before i went and hung out with maddie a little bit and i went out to get a drink with my friend cameo and i heard a very interesting tidbit so apparently denver is currently overrun by geese 
and they're all around the lakes, even the lakes that are like just barely considered suburbia, not Denver proper or whatever. And so their solution to this was essentially, you know, kill the geese or figure out another way to like getting them out in a humane way. And I I think that after the Department of Wildlife had to reach out to the city, that was pretty much an admission of surrender, that they didn't know what the fuck to do with all the geese. So they told the mayor and the mayor's solution to this has been they're going to they're going to kill a bunch of the geese still, but they're going to chop it up and feed it to the homeless people. And this is not a joke. You can look it up online. Goose burgers. Goose burgers. I, I would you know, like- a lot of people I'm from Montana, so it's not weird for me to hear that people are eating geese. You know, that's like, no. like not even a really super gamey bird. I've eaten ostrich before. Right. I've never eaten a goose. It's a Canadian goose. Geese. Canadian I, geese. I I'm assume assuming. so. I've never had It's a one. Canada goose, by the way. It's not Canadian. Canada goose. They are literally called the Canada goose. It's not oh. a Canadian goose. My dad did his thesis on the Canada goose when he graduated um, with a master's in wildlife from the Montana State University. Really? And he has corrected me so many times in my life. It is not a Canadian goose, everybody. It's a Canada goose. Canada goose. So should we call up Aaron and take it, get he his take? He would love to talk about this. Get his take on eating the Canada goose? Yeah, he, would, Canada goose he would probably laugh pretty hard, but uh, also he'd probably say that makes total hey. sense. I mean, people eat goose, so it's not You know what? I think, it's a, I think it's a, it's a good solution to multiple problems, and kudos to the mayor of Denver for exactly. thinking about it. Exactly. It sounds yeah. weird to some people, I know, but, you know, it's better than wasting all that life, so it's cool right. we can do something with it. I think it's kind of a little funny that we're like, oh, we don't know how to feed you, so take some goose, <laughs> but, like, whatever. Hey, it solves two problems. Yeah, okay. So, so Denver's just got all kind of weird animals happening right now. Yeah, what else is going on over um, there? There was a fish show that was supposed to happen this weekend, and it won't be happening. It was canceled. Um, the, the outdoor venue that they'd chosen for this, which this had been announced for months and months, as you can imagine, it's a fish show. So people have been like planning to come to this since like, you know, Valentine's ten day year, since 10 years ago, yeah, probably. Like 10 years ago, they had to cancel the whole event because apparently there are plague infested, plague infested prairie dogs running rampant around the entire venue. And the bubonic plague. I don't know what kind of plague it is. It wasn't specified, but it's apparently contractual. Or contract contractable. Jesus, what is with me today? It's apparently contractable by humans because they didn't want anyone there. So it's kind of funny. There's a lot of craziness happening in Denver right now. Hey, can you imagine if you went to that show, though, and they had it anyway, and let's say the prairie dogs weren't infected by the plague? Would there still be a lot of prairie dogs running around on the, like, the grounds. I don't know what plague it is again. Like, you know, if it's rabies and maybe they could be going all nuts. I don't know what the oh. deal is, but it's bad enough that they don't want to have people there. So that says something to me. Yeah. That seems like a pretty silly thing to cancel a, an event that's been planned forever. And if you can't get pest control to come in and like eradicate it, then it's probably pretty bad. I would imagine. I would yeah. imagine. So probably doing the right thing. Yeah. Okay. So anyway... This brings us to a very interesting thing that I found last week on, you guessed it, Reddit. (laughs) Is it still about animals? It's still about animals. Wow, we got a theme here today. Yes, crazy fucking animals. Okay. What what you Um, got for us? So I'm reading this TIL last week, Today I Learned, on Reddit. So I was just reading this article about Tippi Hedren, who is the star actress of Alfred Hitchcock's Birds. Oh, I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah. So she's the the lead actress in Birds. And if you've seen that very odd movie, uh, there's the last sequence where she's just being attacked. And it's pretty, I think at the time when it came out, that was pretty mortifying. It scared a lot of people. 
Um, very iconic scene with Tippi Hedren, very iconic scene for Alfred Hitchcock. So anyway, she was told when she was actually hired for the movie, like in the very first place, Alfred Hitchcock was like, I promise, okay, these will be mechanical birds. Which me and Pat are like, okay, was there even the technology to like make such a promise at that time? And right. we've sort of resolved, probably not. Probably but, not. Probably but Tippi not. Hedren didn't know or give a shit. And so she's like, tight, mechanical birds, let's do it. And it really just resulted in her being terrorized for most of the shooting. And the whole last week of shooting was just her coming in and being battered by crazy dinosaur birds for literally day in, day out for an entire week for them to get like a 10 to 15 minute section at the segment at the end of the movie. So how do they train these birds to attack her? I don't know if that was something they had to do or if they had just caught wild birds. And, and, and you know, when, when I go let... think about this era of filmmaking, I would honestly say that these crazy motherfuckers just brought in a bunch of birds they captured, didn't test for disease at all, and no, just of let not. them go. And just let them go. Do you think it, I imagine it to be like, did you ever do this thing growing up in school called like the money machine for like book sales or like some sort of thing in like an elementary school where they'd put you in this... I never did it, Clear but I know what you're box, talking about. And yeah. like there was all the money that was shooting and you had to you like have grab, to grab it. it. You need to pull your shirt out. Yeah. Do it that way. I, I imagine that's what they did with these birds and her getting attacked. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I mean, it's probably something exactly like that. And, you know, Alfred Hitchcock was very much a proprietor of it being this realistic and he had never any intention of it being mechanical birds. It's very reminiscent of Stanley Kubrick directing The Shining and how he literally terrorized the main actress. She's for real mortified. Like she suffered like PTSD from filming that movie because he was so adamant about scaring the shit out of her so that she actually seemed like extremely genuinely, anxious and yeah. genuinely mortified. Yeah. And it is, is part of why the movie is so good. But I mean, she literally has post-traumatic stress disorder from, from wow. it. But wow. anyway, moving that's on. Another, that's another topic for another yeah, day. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on though. So I was reading this article and, and the top comment after finding this out about Tippi Hedren being attacked by birds for a week straight was a comment about her husband. Tippi Hedren's husband was also a film director and he was one of the main directors of what is considered the most dangerous movie ever made. It's called Roar. And I believe it was made in the 70s. Yeah, it was made in 1979. Like I said, yeah, one of the most dangerous films ever made. Uh, 70 of the cast and crew were believed to be injured during the production of the movie. And wow. the main guy, um, Jean, uh, Jean de Bon, he had his head scalped by a lion. He had 212 Whoa. stitches. Tippi Hedren got like 53 stitches on her neck. She was swiped at by a lion. Tippi Hedren and her husband's daughter were was mauled by a lion, and she had to have oh facial reconstructive God. surgery. Uh, other shit. people that were on the set were attacked by lions. People were attacked so many times that they got gangrene. They were bitten. They were slashed, everything. And the turnover for extras and actresses and things was extremely high because naturally people came in and realized it was an extremely unsafe work environment and they'd peace out after they probably were attacked to get their like 50 bucks or whatever. But it's just really crazy that that was even ever allowed. That's crazy. Do you, I'm reading a little bit about this movie. You know, I was wondering, you know, for all of the trouble that went into the da most dangerous well? movie. Yeah, did it do well? Is it a good movie? I'm checking on IMDb, and it says, you know, it is rated PG, so it's a family-friendly family movie here. 
Um, it's about a family that goes to Africa to meet their father who lives with wild lions. So I can and imagine. And it's considered a comedy, by the way, everybody. Oh, is it? It's literally the the t- the cover of it says a ferocious comedy. Oh, it's starting yeah, to it be does have, And it has tigers driving a Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it was like a shit show, like a mortifying, like terrorizing shit show. Anyway, it got it got a 6.2 on IMDb, which isn't terrible, which isn't terrible. Yeah, Melanie Griffith was in that movie. That's crazy to think about, too. She had 50 stitches to the face when she was attacked. She thought she was going to lose an eye. Ooh. Uh, this is all wild. Eesh. So the budget was $17 million, and its cumulative worldwide gross sales is 110000 So wow, kind of a flop, I guess. $15 million flop. Its box <laughs> office did $2 million. The box office did $2 million? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. So anyway, um, not worth it. There you go. There's some really scary shit. And be glad if you're in that industry that things aren't done like that anymore. Holy fuck. Anyway, let's go to our favorite portion of this entire thing. Talking about eating, not people, but snacks. All right. Snack attack. Yeah. Okay. So before we get in, we have a very important. This is our most organized snack attack segment yet because we're going to be trying I don't know. Well, I don't know if you've been into the snack section of your local grocery store lately and happened to look at Nabisco's Oreos selections, but there's a lot of them out there. And we're just scratching the surface on some of these flavors, but we got not two, not three. That's right. We have six different flavors of Oreos we're trying for you guys today. Before we get into the whole Oreo taste off, we want to talk about some new hard seltzer offerings at the end of hot girl summer here. Hot might be a little summer. might be a little too late to catch hot girl summer, but there's always fat boy winter. Oh my god, I think I've, my life is just fat boy winter. So <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> these new seltzers. Okay, I haven't seen the PBR one. Uh, I haven't okay, seen wait, the four well, local. First, one. let's talk about what what they are. So there's okay. So three different companies came out with new seltzers. Yeah, Natty naturally, <laughs> and then uh, PBR, and then four loco. Okay. So apparently some of these were distributed only to certain states, like the PBR and the Four Loco versions were only like distroed to like California and Montana and a couple other places where people are doing hot girl summer and in the extreme seltzer fashion. Yeah. So we did not get to try those. I didn't see any in Colorado. That being said, I did get to try the Catalina Lime Mixer from Natty Ice. Did you? I did. You tried They had it. it at the ping pong tournament that Maddie's roommate was working at. Okay. Yeah. And it was extremely underwhelming. It was pretty sugary tasting. I like mm-hmm. White Claw better, but I didn't hate it. Okay. I want to try their other flavor. They didn't have any of it. It was called Aloha Beaches, and it's some sort of tropical See, you thing. know what? They've been... One thing Natty Ice has been doing this summer is just crushing it on the names. They must have gotten some somebody new in their A marketing, new marketing creative, person, yeah. creative department. At least somebody totally. who's open to ideas. From some of the junior execs. Well, I mean, if it, if it works, work it. They've been working with the well, what, Natty Black Ice or whatever, no, the seven percent light beer, and it worked for them. So that's really Black Ice. That's a thing. What is the Black Box? Um, natty. There's just Nat. There's Natty. Natty there's Ice. Natty there's ice. a Black Box of Natty Ice, and it's seven percent. Dang. Yeah, and it, you can taste like the malt liquor in it. It sounds good. It's oh, it brings disgusting. me back, man. It brings me back. Yeah. They've uh, they've been crushing it drunk. with that lemonade. What is it? Lemonade grapefruit? Natter days? Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that as well. Strawberry like sh- lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, uh, Nick Klein told me it just tastes like a shandy. Yeah, that's what I heard he too. He said he can't have more like than one or two. It's, it gets old. But I wouldn't be too shocked by that. I, 
I feel that way about every Shandy. Yeah. On to the more exciting stuff here. We got six kind of Oreos for you today. Okay. Yeah. Now, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to do a smell test on each one of these flavors. We're going to get in depth because I want to. I want to know about these flavors. Oh, my gosh. I got to know what I got to buy next time I go to like um, a birthday party. You smell it. I'll eat it. There. Okay. Cool. Which one should we try first? I, I don't know. I'm going to randomly grab one here. Okay. All right. I'm, wait, wait, wait. I'm grabbing. Are you, I'm randomly grabbing. No, no, one. don't don't start with that one because we think that one's going to be the best. <sighs> okay. But I, that's, why, that's why I want that one. Okay, we're going to start with this one. Here you go. Is this birthday cake? Yes. Yeah, so, okay, the flavor that we have right now is birthday cake. Oh, my God. It smells like frosting. It's a normal chocolate cookie. It smells like that um, candy corn Hershey bar. It does. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's got a really... It, it smells exactly like angel food It's cake. frosting. Yeah. It's good. Is it good? I haven't eaten in like two days. I love how like this is what I'm eating. You eat <laughs> you eat the cookie like that, like a barbarian. You don't twist it off. No, I hate doing that. Oh, I got to twist it. Look at that. That's the perfect twist. Nailed it, Pat. Yeah, it's totally frosting. It's just straight up frosting in there, y'all. Now I got to try it with the cookie. I don't hate it, but I couldn't eat a whole box. That'd be really tough. All right. Yeah. You know, if I felt if I ate Next. a whole if I ate a whole crate of these things, it's like eating a whole. <laughs> you just leave a cookie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that one half, that one side. Dip it in your cook in your coffee. That sounds pretty good, actually. It does sound pretty good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to edit out a lot of this chewing. Yeah, thank you. So the birthday cake confirmed. It's pretty good. It's like something you can only eat like one or two yeah, of unless you're a really big frosting person. If you, it's like eat, if you ate a whole sleeve of these, it's like eating a whole fucking birthday cake, man. You'd be the kid puking well, at the party. Well, just the frosting. You'd be puking at the party. Yeah. Okay. Next. Pistachio. No, no, no. Let's save those for last. Why? You said save that for last. Stop just knocking oh. all my choices. Let's just go in a all damn right. circle. Pistachio. This is okay. Now this is the this is the hot girl summer cookie right here because it's thin. <laughs> it's this is this is the hot girl summer Oreo. Yeah, of it's the year. pistachio flavored. I don't even know if it's. I think it might be too thin to even twist apart. Uh, you can give it a try. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna eat it normal. Here I go. It's delicious. Is it? Yeah. I kind of thought. I kind of thought it might be the best. Up um Gangnam style. Oh, what? He does the pistachio commercials. Come on. Oh, does he? Well, he Look, did. This is so thin of a cookie. You can't even oh, lick it. You can't even lick it. That is really delicious. If you see the pistachio M&M's or uh, Oreos, get it. Pistachio this is really M&Ms. good. Yeah, and also um, pistachio M&M's, please. Mm, this is pretty good. Now I got to eat it, the whole thing, though. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So... We determined that one is up there because we both ate the whole mm. thing. Dude. Okay, we're only two in. That one's going to be hard to beat. I would yeah. be surprised. That was good. I would like, be I could surprised. eat the whole sleeve of that. Yeah. And you know what? They're thin, too. So you can mm-hmm. keep it up with the hot girl summer going. Oh, hey. <laughs> Honestly, it's funny. The last few times we've done these contests, the thing we thought would be the grossest thing ended up being the best thing. Like that candy corn bar. I think it's just a euphemism for life. I don't understand it. I don't know. Okay. It's not for me to determine. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. Next. Oh, dark chocolate. Okay. Smell it. I don't like how this one smells. It smells like. Oh, this smells like cardboard. Nothing. Yeah. Smells like doo-doo. Okay. So this is dark chocolate. This is a game. Smells like doo-doo. This isn't a thin one. This is a normal size stuff. Although this, mine's pretty stuffed. It's pretty fat. These are pretty chunky. These are like stuff and a half. Not yeah. double stuff, but like stuff and a half. I don't know about this one. And it's dark chocolate. I hate it. It's more like a brownie than it, than it is a dark chocolate. It's just a brownie. I like that one a lot, mm. but now I got to add the cookie part to it because I just ate the frosting. Mm. Okay, well, dark chocolate mm. result smells bad, tastes pretty good. 
I like it, man. It wasn't as good as the pistachio. No, pistachio was a little bit better. What do we got now? Ooh, peanut butter cream. Peanut butter cream. As With chocolate cookie. Chocolate cookie. Okay, here we go. It smells like normal peanut butter, like Jif oh. peanut butter. I think peanuts just smell like peanuts, you know? Yeah, but you know, sometimes there's that fake peanut butter. Like Reese's almost kind of has that fake peanut butter sugary stuff. This is that young peanut butter that goes in between Ritz crackers. Is it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the vibe I was getting. Because it's dank. Like it. I dig it. Hey, doesn't Nabisco also make Ritz crackers? I believe they, they do. do. It ah. is the same peanut butter. It's the same stuff, man. It is. You're going to immediately be like, holy shit. Pat likes it, everybody. I like it because it's not as sweet. It's a little saltier. Yeah, I liked that one. That was pretty good. Not my favorite. No. Didn't hate it. All not right. my favorite. All we right. got two left, people. Now we're venturing. Now we're... Kind to of the blonde gears. cookie. We're going to the blonde cookies. The blonde cookie. All right. So this first blonde cookie that we have is carrot cake. And it smells exactly it smells like, like it. It's even like cake. cinnamony. It smells good. Yeah, it does. Okay. Here we go. Wow. Too much. It tastes like a carrot cake. Almost too much. It's so sweet. Okay. Easy guy. <laughs> that was... It's a little overwhelming. It's there. so fucking sweet. I can't even like... Mm -hmm. I need to take a drink. There's a lot of Oreos to smash. I thought, you know, when I was a kid, I used to be able to eat a lot of these and like Chips Ahoy and stuff like that. I don't know. I can, I'm like crippled here after five. Yeah, I still like, have one left to They're all try. like really rich, you know? I've also been drinking these Starbucks Frappuccinos, which have 45 grams of sugar. Yeah, you are going to have drank. You will have left my house having eaten like 120 grams of sugar. You better think, like <laughs> eat good today because you're going to feel like shit tomorrow. By the time I leave your house, I might be diabetic. Yeah, you first have diabetes. All right. Now we're on to the last one and the one that we think might be the best. We have high hopes for it. It's called chocolate peanut butter pie. Also a blonde shell, cookie shell. This one has like the split middle. It has, yeah, the cream is split. So you got to eat it in half. Chocolate and peanut oh, wait, butter. You're doing your little twisty. Oh, I'm going to do. Pat's eating it old school style. Yeah, I'm eating it like the kid who dips it. The kid who dips it, everybody. Yeah. All right, here we go. The peanut butter one was better. I'm like over, I'm so over Oreos right now. <laughs> yeah, the peanut butter one was better. You know what? Okay. Final it's never what you think it is. It's never what you think it would be. Never what you think it would be. That's the one thing we've learned after months of research here. <laughs> months of research. We do the research for you guys. Sugar research. And what we've, what we've concluded is that something you see that you think is going to be good, it never is. And the least suspecting thing is going to come and sweep you off your feet. Yeah. So what did we resolve here? Um, the hot girl summer Oreos are the winner. Yeah. The thin pistachios are the winners. And then I think my number two, I'm going to go with the, the dark chocolate. I really liked it. All right. Well, there you go. I don't think I have a number two. You didn't like peanut butter? No. The what rest about? just kind of tasted like number two. <laughs> <laughs> what about birthday cake? Too much. Too much what birthday if cake. We, what if we combine birthday cake and carrot cake? Hey, do you have those handy over there? Let's do this. Ew, you can do it. Yeah. Grab, okay. grab me one of each. Oh, God. Are you going to put them together? Yeah, I'm going to remove one sh one the half cookies. of the cookie the shell. together? Yeah, and then I'm going to make one double cake. One double cake. Okay. All right. All right. So now He's we have... made it, people. We've we got have a carrot, the carrot cake, cake, birthday cake, birthday blonde cake. chocolate cookie combo. All right. Double cake. No. Mm-mm. 
No way. No, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I have There's zero interest in trying that. I feel like, I really feel like my teeth are in pain. Do you ever eat too much sugar where your teeth are in You've pain? You drank 90 milligrams of sugar, 90 grams of sugar just from your drink. And how much sugar is in one Oreo lipstick? Wait, we can't look at the hot girl summer. You can't look Oreos. at the pistachio. That's that's cheating. That's a diet Oreo. OMFG. The serving size is two cookies. And how many sugars are in those? How many sugars? <laughs> how many sugars are in those? I think the sugars already. Okay, so my brain. one Oreo has five and a half grams of sugar in it. And I've just mouthed like six of them. That sounds like thirty-three grams of sugar. And then ninety grams from your frappuccinos. So I'm sitting at one hundred and twenty-three grams of sugar today. Yeah, that's insane. Let's move on. Okay. Okay. This so that, is kind of an exciting thing. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What was the worst of the Oreo cookies before we get out, before we leave snack attack behind today? Um, I think carrot cake was the worst. Do you? It was just so sweet. I couldn't even eat the bite that I took. You know what I think? I think it was the chocolate Oreo pie. Yeah, or, that, or the that one also sucked. Pie. That was super underwhelming. And we thought that would be the best. So I wasn't whelmed. So we'll move on to this. This was kind of a controversial topic, which is kind of interesting for me. Yeah. Uh, Barbie came out with a new line recently of inspiring women. And so basically, yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. You know, it's like Rosa Parks and Amelia Earhart and Harriet Tubman and Frida Kahlo and, you know, all the iconic women of history, but in Barbie form. And um, so they're dolls. Yes. Okay. Um, there's, you know, obviously a lot of back and forth on whether or not this is cool. <laughs> okay. So Barbie or Mattel, I believe is the maker of Barbie. Yeah. Their angle is probably to, well, first off they're a business, so they, they have to make money, but their angle here is obviously to have women of color as a featured doll to maybe in a way educate the children who are playing with Barbie dolls, um, and inspire them a little bit. Yeah, Maybe. I think that definitely was like part of the thought process. Money. And I think that that has been something that's pissed people off forever is like, why yeah. are we all praising this, this like una unachievable body type? Right. I think it's kind of interesting that they didn't really do any reproportioning for any of these Barbies. They're all what a normal Barbie body would be like, which I think is another reason why people of color are like, we don't look like that. Like white people don't even fucking look like that. Like yeah, that well, I think it's just like a, it's a body image. That's a whole, the whole body image thing that Barbie's constantly been That's what I'm saying. And, and that's why I think this is sort of maybe like an answer to some of the problems that people have had with Barbie for a while of like, okay, can we, if we're going to have little, little, if we're going to have young women, if we're going to have the youth playing with these dolls, why not make mm -hmm. them something that's empowering and educational and actually like a tangible part of our humanity well, yeah. as opposed to this, you know, blonde bimbo in a hot pink convertible right. and right. setting these um, unachievable standards for people. Well, I see that side of it. The I kind do. of the cool thing is like probably I, if you were to go buy, buy it in the package, you know, like let's say a little girl or boy or um, however they want to identify mm -hmm. themselves, whoever's playing with this toy, they, they, you know, get Rosa Parks or whatever. And they're like, have no idea because they're a kid and kids are dumb. And then they, they read on the back or they have their parents read to them on the back or whoever bought it. And then they, they educate themselves a little bit, learn a little bit about history and um, for the better, probably. That's Yeah. And thing. it's cool to aspire to be someone, obviously, that made an actual difference. I think that's very cool. That Now let's talk about the other side that being of this. Said, most of these it's corporations. It's total exploitation of the most 
of, of suffragettes. It's total exploitation of the most persecuted women in history, most uh, laughed at, most underestimated, most, there's so many words to say it. Just, it's really exploitation and commodification of women who, it wasn't this glorious process where they looked like this Barbie doll the whole time accomplishing what they did. So I kind of think it's kind of whack that, you know, Barbie's going to be making money off of these not even real at all realistic representations of right. their goal. Right. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. So it, it's kind of both ways. I think it is really cool that that the youth is able to like relate to something that, like I said, was actually empowering and actually real, a real part of history and a real part of changing things, but it's kind of an interesting way to do it. And I'm yeah. not sure that I'm completely on board. And I don't know that I would, I don't, if you had a kid, would you, if you had a little kid, would you let them have one of these? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, why not? So here's my thought on it because <sighs> I'm like torn about that major, I mean, major <clears throat> companies will exploit social trends for profit and, you know, a children's toy company and like, <laughs> Serial companies and all of this type of stuff. Anything that markets towards children will 100% exploit that. And that's just the world that we live in. So you can't get like butthurt about that because if Mattel's not doing it today, it's going to be somebody tomorrow doing it. And that's their... I don't think that's people's problem, though. I think the problem is that they're doing this good, quote, good thing under the guise or they're doing something that's shitty under the guise of doing something that is really, really cool. You know, like most people are just going to like fully be like, we're doing this to make money. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of feel like they're, they're trying to fool people. Into thinking oh yeah. That no, but that's is... what, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, okay, that's yeah. what, that's what companies do all the time. I mean, I mean, the classic example is the guy who owns um, urban outfitters and like a lot of the, he is very conservative and donates a lot of his money to all conservative, you know, political campaigns. And he, from what I've read, is pretty, you know, uh, homophobic and whatnot. But yet in his stores, he sells a lot of very liberal-leaning uh, novelty items and T-shirts and stuff like that and basically makes some money off of the people who he has differing views with, you know, uh, culturally and politically. So, I mean, that, ha that type of ha stuff happens all the time. But if I had a, a daughter or a son or whomever wanted to have one of these dolls and blah, 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 yeah, I'd be happy to buy it for him and educate him a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is very interesting. And now that I'm like reading more on it, they're doing 17 different dolls for this. Really? Yeah. Um, Joan of Arc. I'll read them off. Uh, Frida Kahlo, Amelia Earhart, uh, journalist Martina Woshikowska. I'm uh, I'm kind of bummed. I don't know who some of these people are. Helene DeRose, who's a world-renowned chef. Uh, Ashley Graham. Um, this is actually interesting. Ashley Graham is a plus-size model, and they made a plus-size Barbie for her. Really? So that is kind of cool. That's pretty that kind cool. Of, like take back what I said. I guess they're being conscious of that. Mm -hmm. uh, Patty Jenkins, a notorious filmmaker. Katherine Johnson, um, the mathematician and physicist from NASA. Okay. In like the seventies. Yuan Yuan Tan, who's like a prima, a prima ballerina. Sarah Gama, a soccer player. Leila Pedayesh, a designer and an entrepreneur. It's cool how they're doing people of color from all ethnicities as well. This, mm -hmm. this is really cool. Um, fencing champion, Ibtihaj Muhammad. Oh. Bindi Irwin, who's okay. Steve Irwin's daughter, yeah, yeah. a conservationist, which is really cool. She has so many top voted posts on Reddit under Our Wholesome. 
mm-hmm. Bindi just constantly keeps saying like the cutest shit. Like she used to, she had this tweet that went viral the other day that was like, I used to, I remember when I used to be afraid of bees and now I'm like, Hey, how you doing? Can I get you anything? A soda, a water, some food? Maybe <laughs> a, did you want to borrow my car? Like <laughs> she's just adorable. So cool. That's awesome. Zhuang Tong Guan, an actress from China, Chloe Kim, snowboarding champion. Gabby Douglas, gymnastics champion from the Olympics. Um, Ava Duvernay, or Duvernay, Duvernay. Ava Duvernay, who's a film director. And then several more who I don't honestly recognize all of them. Yeah, it's a long list, but if you're It is really cool. We've got everything from boxing champions, volleyball, fencing, gymnastics, snowboarding, acting, philanthropists. Mm -hmm. Really cool. So I guess, you know, I think Barbie did a killer job on picking those women. I have to say they have opened my eyes to people that I didn't even know were influential women See, women exactly. in the world. So that's cool. I'm definitely going to look up all those women and check out what kind of impact they've actually made now that I've seen that. So cool. there you awesome. go. So yeah, maybe uh maybe maybe they're maybe doing not a right. bad idea. Maybe yeah. not a bad idea. Leaning toward not right now, but you know, staying cautious. I think that's cautious. where where it's a good spot to be. Sure. So anyway, let's go into our favorite segment. Joel just walked in. What's up, Joel? Album of the week. All right, album of the week. Megan, what's your album of the week? My album of the week is arguably not an album, but there, uh, she's calling it one. Uh, Missy Elliott's new five-track, Throw It Back. After like 10 years it's been since she's released an album. This new one's out. The single's called Throw It Back, I believe, and that one was pretty good. I really dug her track with Lizzo too, Tempo. Oh, okay, yeah, that was And good. I actually did a remix of it with Maddie for our new house project, but... Oh, yeah. I've been really digging what Missy's been doing lately, and that's no surprise because I've always dug pretty much everything she's ever done. So what about you? I'm throwing it back, way back. Get it. Way back to 2002 when I was oh, damn. When I was in high school. I was a seventh grader. Really? Yeah. I was, what, 2002? I was a, either sophomore or junior year of high school because I graduated in 2004. But regardless, um, when this this came out, I was a little suspect of it. Because I, we all knew Justin Timberlake from NSYNC, and it was like, oh, boy band, blah. And this and was his first album just, since that? This was his, his first. His debut? No, this was his debut. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, this was his debut. So I'm, my album of the week is Justified, if you haven't figured it out by now. There's a lot of a lot of really classic JT tracks on there. Senorita, uh, Like I Love You, Rock Your Body, Cry Me a River, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the reason why I wanted to pick this one is because you picked Missy Elliott. Yes. Right? Exactly. So, And what's the connection? There's a had? connection here. So Missy Elliott, I just recently discovered this. I was watching a documentary. And did you know that she grew up with Timbaland, like went to high school with Timbaland, what? Pharrell, uh, the dudes from the Clips? What? Yeah. And they were all friends. And Missy Elliott actually got Timbaland into production because the do- according to the story he tells in this documentary, he was just kind of like beatboxing and stuff and making beats with his mouth. And she was like, yo, you should do that. Cause she was kind of like rapping. They were all in high school at the time. And that's when he started to delve into production and musical gear and all this type of stuff. And he never had thought of himself as being musical at all. He was just kind of making beats with his mouth and then he started making beats for these guys who, you know, in high school who would rap. And his first project, there was a, a rapper by the name of Magoo. And it was like Timbaland and Magoo. And 
that was kind of their duo, but also Pharrell and the Clips were doing their stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And enter into the picture down the road and, you know, Timbaland kind of, you know, killing it with some productions in the early 2000s, late 90s. And then he has, he helped produce the album Justified, which blew him up. And then that's when he started doing stuff with uh, Missy Elliott. And then that's when he started doing stuff on his own, like Shock Value and Shock Value 2. But there was another producer from Philadelphia who was also a great instrumentalist who helped work on this album. And his name was Scott Storch. And if you're not familiar with Scott Storch, he's responsible for producing some of the biggest hits in that era in the rap world. He was a member keyboard player of The Roots. The Roots just won a Grammy and he decided to leave the band because he didn't want to tour and he wanted to spend more time in the studio working on productions. And everybody's like, dude. Wasn't The Roots like his band too? He started it with um, uh, Questlove. Yeah. Yeah. And people are like, dude, you're nuts. We're just, we're blowing up. We're as big as we've ever been right now. We're doing tours. And he's like, nah, I'm putting that all aside. And there's another great documentary called Still Storch, which I recommend people checking out. It's on YouTube. It's like 20 minutes long. Basically, his story is fascinating because he arguably had a better career as a producer than he did as a member of The Roots when he founded the band. Yeah, he won a Grammy with that, but he's won so many more Grammys since then because he did like the Chronic 2001, that almost like that whole album, right? It's some crazy stuff. He did a lot of the Terror Squad stuff, like the Fat Joe stuff. Um, and he also helped work on this album Justified with Timberland. And now there's beef between the two guys over who's the actual real producer, who's the instrumentalist, who's the producer, blah, 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 blah. Scott Storch, uh, briefly, without getting too much into it, he got famous. Started, uh, you know, getting some hot model chicks, started spending all of his money on cocaine, started making bad decisions. He went from like worth over a hundred million dollars to being effectively broke in like six months. So that documentary is basically about him coming back and, you know, battling his demons and trying to be a producer again. It's a very fascinating connection, I think. Yeah, for sure. It really, it's really is cool mind-blowing. Stuff. And, and so that, this is really... they all went to high school together. How much talent came out of one high school? Is well, it's, so Scott Storch didn't. I know, uh, but, but just like, like Missy all those other and guys. Pharrell and Timbaland all went to the same high school. Just those three alone. I know, right? Isn't that wild? So anyway, that's album of the week. So Megan's new album of the week is Missy Elliott, Throw It Back, and I Threw It Back to 2002, uh, JT Justified. And with that, we have a very special guest with us this week. And he needs no introduction, but we're going to do it anyway. Stylist. Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guest. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Stylist, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast.
force built around me because my team. You're part of my force field. You believe what I believe. We all see the same things. We want the same things. And you understand that. You're unbreakable. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. Everybody, this is the amazing stylist um, of Sleeveless Records. Um, what how up, did what you up? start? Yeah, how did you start Sleeveless? By the way, um, Sleeveless kind of fell into my lap with uh, my old manager, um, well, our old mutual manager, actually, there, uh, old Jamie Minotti. Um, oh wow! He oh, no just kind of approached me one day and said, "Hey, uh, what do you think about having a label?" And this is before like a lot of the artists had labels and stuff, and I was like you know what, I got a lot of talented friends that don't necessarily have outlets and stuff. Um, so let's do it. So I kind of half-assed it by myself for the first couple of years. And now I've got uh, two paid employees and uh, we're kind of rolling with it. So it's been a lot of fun. That's Sick. awesome. Yeah. I've seen a lot coming from coming out from you guys pretty recently. So it looks like it's blowing yeah, up. Yeah, we're, we're just kind of getting going here too. So lots more to expect from us. So we're excited. That's exciting. All mm-hmm. these new like artists... Um, labels that are popping up are really exciting to see yeah it's cool i mean as streaming royalties are coming more apparent then uh it just kind of makes sense to be in charge of your own you know totally it doesn't really make sense at all for it kind of is like the equivalent of how like apple owns the largest music store in the world like Mm. a tech company owns the music store what are you doing why do you even have your hands on this Right. And I, I feel, you know, I feel like now, especially since all this information is available at our fingertips and I feel like um, artists are more aware of how the business side works. There's no point in not being in charge of everything if you can do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you it's can, a lot of work can, and you can be shorting yeah. yourself if you're trying to do too much. But, um, sure. you know, otherwise it's the benefits are definitely there for you if you're willing to do the work and um, you don't mind being on social media all the time kind of thing. Me hiring other people has really helped me a lot and helped the label a ton too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, cause you know, I have to focus on so many different other things and I'm, I'm not home during the weekends and stuff like that. So it's tough, you know, you lose a lot but of yeah. time. And it's, it's nice. So as far as royalties are concerned, you can monetize everything yourself and be in charge of that instead of relying on other people. Um, yeah, and definitely. taking their word, for, taking their word for it more or less that you're getting all your royalties. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the analytics, what tunes are doing well, what's working, what what campaigns worked, you know, 
mm-hmm. where different spikes happen because of different articles or stuff like that. You know, it's it's pretty good for analytics as well. Hell yeah! And how long have you guys? Uh, how long have you guys been around? How long has this label existed? Um, we we kind of say officially since uh, twenty fifteen. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So when did you decide to drop the beats? I remember meeting you as Stylus Beats. So yeah, totally. Um, that was something I think I dropped at the start of this year. Or maybe, okay, it, was, maybe it was the start of last year. One of the two. Um, basically, I was going through uh, just a rebrand kind of with my logo and stuff like that. And I've always kind of had it in the back of my mind to lose the beats because it was kind of – I started as a hip-hop producer and uh, yeah, that's really sense. where the beats came from. I would make sure. little compilations to give to different MCs and then just be the stylus beats tape, you know, and then so that's kind of where the stylus beats came from. And, you know, kind of as I've evolved as artist, I feel more like an artist than just a producer now, you know, as I do a whole bunch of different genres and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I thought it was just time and it was uh, a little bit of a headache changing all my social media names and stuff that was the biggest problem but everyone else seemed to go along with it pretty good <laughs> cool cool yeah no it can be such a pain that facebook stuff i had to actually hire a consultant at one point when i was trying to consolidate things because uh weirdly enough i started out doing hip-hop uh-huh. and um i went by poison ivy like like roman numeral like ivy i need and those I lost I- tapes yeah <laughs> oh god um, it's funny cause people in the UK thought I was called poison full. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> poison four. I know. Seriously. I was like, okay, fail. Uh, yeah. That's anyways. almost harder. Poison I know. Four. Uh, four. Po- poison four. I thought it was poison four. And I'd be like, oh my God. Okay. Missing the reference here. Um, but I had, I wanted to, I had also started like, you know, like this sort of singer songwriter page under my actual name. Mm-hmm. And then I'd done all this hip hop stuff with Poison Ivy, but I'd been producing all of it. And when I decided to just like go in a different direction, I wanted to merge them just for more like numbers than anything, I guess. But the whole process of that was absolutely exhausting. Oh my God. I had to literally like go change the name of Poison Ivy page to Poison Ivy Megan Hamilton so that it had something in common with my other one. And then they let me merge it. But I had to hire right. a third party consultant to give me this information because he's like, a liaison consultant for Facebook so that they can avoid having customer service. They'll like tell him loopholes about things so he can tell them to the people that he consults for so that Facebook can like help him find workarounds so they don't have to do shit. So it's an actual paid customer service kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of, it was really weird, but the guy was so helpful. Hey, if it gets the job done, man, I, I had to turn into my own consultant. I did like emails back and forth with Spotify for... A good four or five months until it was like fully completed because oh. I had to change all my all my uploads from even different labels on their distribution. So we had to start at the distribution channel, which was painful. And uh, so oh. I basically had to re-upload my whole catalog with the same IRSC codes, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It does um, yeah. but uh, so that was kind of my pain. But after oh. six months, it's it's done. Yeah, Spotify is especially, I feel like, sort of difficult to work with, and especially if you're having to deal with all that. There's another artist in Canada named Megan Hamilton. Mm. She makes like, oh, that's right. She that's makes right. like hippie folk music kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's my girl. No, yeah, kidding. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, we've actually talked a couple times because I remember like 
in terms of social media, she, you know, she was the bane of my existence growing up when I was trying to like start doing music <laughs> stuff. You know, she had the SEO on me for everything. Right. So I couldn't get Megan Hamilton at Gmail and I couldn't get MeganHamilton.com and all this shit. Anyway, I finally overridden her SEO. So I come up for like 10 pages before she does. But nice, Megan. They, um, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> they put a, like a bunch of her albums on my Spotify and all her songs are called like the river flows in the dove's eye and like things like that. And totally. it, I, I was just like, this is really fucking with my like people trying to come listen to me right now. And this is like the top thing on here. It's right. not me at all or anything close. And dealing with that took months. Yeah. Yeah. Spotify, they get back to you quick, but they just get back. You deal with the wrong answer kind of thing. Like go yeah. back and do this, go back and do this, go back and totally. do this. It's like, no, you have like, and honestly what happened was, one guy must have sat down and really cared about my page for, you know, maybe an hour. And then all of a sudden, one day I woke up and everything was labeled directly. All my features were labeled correctly. Everything was in the right place. And I was like, just hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> nice. So That's oh, hilarious. I'm dreading. I have, to, uh, I have to try to get a hold of ASCAP and get some answers on some stuff on publishing. And I'm dreading that process that's a lot of fun yeah i think i still have an email um saved from them with somebody's phone number so if i really need to get a hold of somebody i can there actually give them a call but i don't know because I, I don't even know if they have like a contact info mm. on through ascap yeah. i don't even know how to do that i don't know either we'll anyway. figure that out so how'd you end up in la man have you always been there uh no i grew up in uh, vancouver and um i thought i detected a little canadian accent <laughs> yeah it, it sneaks out a little bit um, it's funny because we just talked to Kiva yesterday who lives oh, in Vancouver and is from L.A. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, she's from Vancouver no, she's Island. She's from Vancouver Island. Oh, right. oh yeah. wait. She lived yeah. in L.A. That's what oh, she Oh, yeah, said. she lived in L.A. Yeah, she's okay, been bouncing well. around all over, too. Well, anyway, fuck anyway. me, right? Yeah. yeah, no, Kiva's dope. <laughs> um, so, yeah, grew up in Vancouver and uh, moved to San Francisco in, I think, 2012 or so. And uh, moved down to L.A. about five years later. So I've been down in L.A. about three years now. Cool. How do you like it? I love it, man. Um, we got a nice sanctuary with good AC. Um, we're right nice. downtown in the craziness. So, uh, you know, it's a little iffy to go outside. Sometimes you might get yelled at by some crazy person for no reason. But um, <laughs> that's anywhere. You know, just seeing the city line and being in the heart of L.A., you get a lot of visitors. Everyone's coming through and uh, lots of cool shit happening all the time. So, uh, yeah, we that's really awesome. enjoy it here. Speaking of coming through, I'm coming to L.A. in September, actually. I'm hey. going to bug you. Yeah, come on through. Where are you playing? Um, same, but same, same, but different festival. It's like 90 miles outside of L.A. It's like oh, in cool. between L.A. and San Diego, basically. Yeah, yeah awesome. we should kick it and make some shite. For sure. Yeah, if you're around. And eat some tacos or something. Yeah, we got the bomb tacos around the spot. I'll take yeah, you on man, the tour. Like on my foodie gram, like half the accounts I follow are from either New York or LA. And I'm like, oh my God, I need it. I feel like I, I hear LA tacos are like the best. Ah, yeah, so they're excited. not to be effed with. Growing up in Canada, we didn't really have much taco culture at all. Yeah, so, you guys uh, have some good food up there though. Yeah, we have great sushi, great um, seafood, good beef in like kind of the middle of Canada and not necessarily BC, but... um yeah, we have great food up there, but not necessarily a ton of taco stuff. Nice. Not like down here anyway. It's a little cold up there. <laughs> yeah, 
Which surprised not me really. Because the you the taco women, vibes always. Wouldn't you want the tacos to like warm you up? I just like meant the people that taco? make good tacos don't want to be in the cold. Oh, that's probably. What I, yeah, that's, that's probably it too. And they don't want to be in a stand on the corner in Canada for sure. <laughs> and shut down for like five months of the right, year. Right, right. Although my buddy has a tamale food truck called Tamale oh, Time in, in Winnipeg. So shout out my boy Stan out there. Are they open like one day a week because it takes six days to make tamales? (laughs) Oh my God, yeah. It's such a hard process. From what I hear, man, it's a ton of prep work. I'm like, oh, the truck get out. He's like, yeah, just doing prep today. Yeah, Um, Hey, so Jeff, what's a... Let's let's go back in, in time here a little bit. Uh, what's your musical background? I always like to ask this question, if you have one growing up, maybe. Yeah, like I grew up, um, my grandma was a, a piano teacher okay. and kind of worked um, on Vancouver Island with the symphony and kind of uh, music culture out there. So um, I kind of got started early on through her. She wasn't my teacher, but my parents always made sure I had lessons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of did that until it was uncool. And, you know, the cool thing was to pick up a guitar. So in, you know, grade eight, I picked up a guitar. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once grade 11 or 12 rolled around, I realized turntables were the thing to have. So uh, I picked up turntables. So I've, I've just kind of dabbled in a lot of things, really. That's awesome. But not like stuck to one instrument. And I then... Can, uh, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say I can still play the guitar poorly, but, um, you know, I, I'd like right. to pick it up again more for sure. And playing guitar poorly is better than 99% of the population out there. So it's true. If you can kill good. 15 minutes at a campfire, you're good. Yeah, absolutely. My status. Did you, then did you end up going to uh, university or college somewhere? Uh, no, I actually went to an audio school. I went and okay. uh, traveled Australia to kind of just find out what I wanted to do out of high school. That's kind of like a big thing for Canadians that I didn't realize wasn't as huh. as big a part of the culture in the States. Everyone kind of takes a year or a lot of people take a year to kind of figure out what they want to do. And in that time, I actually met some Canadians in um, Australia who told me about a music school like an audio engineering school in Vancouver when I didn't even realize that those kind of schools existed. This was year 2000, you know? So this is the very start of it, of those kind of um, engineering and digital audio schools. Sure. Yeah. So um, yeah, I kind of, I found that out in Australia and came back and uh, went to that school for two years and uh, didn't end up graduating. I ended up getting an awesome job um, in the music field. And I called kind of told my teacher at the time and he, and he, I was like, oh, I, I can't make this test because I have this job interning for uh, Greenhouse Studios. And he was like, you know what? That's more important than the test. Go do it. So it was really cool of him to kind of push me in that direction at the time. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I mean, in, um, in music, it's so hard in the, in the business side of things. It's so hard to, A, have a consistent job. Um, and that's cool that your teacher recognized that. Uh, I feel like, you know, that's not always the case. Yeah, definitely. Like, and uh, he was, uh, I guess, the guy that hired me for that job was kind of one of his star students, maybe five or six years ago. And the job, it was working with Nickelback, which was kind of like the biggest band in Canada at the time. And I was, I was just the runner at the studio getting the food and the uh, candles and stuff like that. But it was just a good position for me to be in at the time. And I learned a ton. You're probably really great at uh, wrapping cables. 
Oh yeah, I can wrap a cable <laughs> blindfolded, bro. Over the over under. Okay. <laughs> it's, 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 it's all about the twist. It's all about that little twist, guys. Yeah. For everybody out there listening, you're probably wrapping your cables wrong and finding the like grain, that. the natural grain of your cable. I found someone <laughs> recently when I was in Grand Rapids, one of the stagehands, and I made a joke about over under because you never shut the fuck up about <laughs> it. Because I never shut up about it. Yes, okay. and he goes fuck over under. He's like, I fucking hate when people wrap cables like that, and I was just like I can't wait to tell this to Pat. So oh my there God. you go. I think that was like six months ago. Somebody in Michigan hates your ass. Oh God. Well, I'm sure there's people and in every the state time to that tell you me. about it. And I wanted to wait all this time oh, no. so that I could tell you, boom, roasted. Oh God. All right. So, all right. Um, so, okay. So now you're in, uh, you're, you're after your production school and you got a job in Canada working with uh, one of the greatest bands of all time, Nickelback. And um, say it twice. One of the greatest bands of all time, Nickelback. Wait, did you say Nickelback? Wait, one of the greatest bands of all time. You get oh my god! Nickelback. Oh, oh, Nickelback. And they okay. see and that a hero. <laughs> and that's cool. Whoa, those are the words. I don't know. I never knew that. Yeah, that was the Maybe. first session I walked into. Actually, that tune that they did for yeah. Spider Man. Spider Man. And then Dude, a month I later, I was playing in every subway I'd go to, and I'd be like, "Wow, that's pretty cool, actually." No, that, that is, is pretty, pretty you know, cool. I actually was cool. liking Nickelback at the time. I would bump their shit <laughs> just because yeah, I was I, so into it. You know, I was so proud to be like just a part of that. You know, totally, dude. I, I feel like Nickelback gets a bad rep. You know, they like, do. They, they kind of caught the Skrillex. They got too big, and then because they were so big, they got destroyed, hated on. But they never really bounced back, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say so. They're That's like true. The Nicholas Cage of. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> the right Nicholas Cage of music. <laughs> yeah, That's you know, good. everybody. I, I would totally rock. Chad Kroger's hair, though. I just gotta say. Really? Yeah, I think I haven't seen his you. hair. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think you should try it too, Jeff. I think, uh, you know, my ponytail stint, I came pretty close, but <laughs> I can't get that kind of crimp going once I get firm. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, then how did you get, okay, how did you go from How did your you go studio? from Nickelback to. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah. the actually electronic. Yeah. Actually, like during this whole time I was making hip hop beats on on acid, um, not the drug, the program. Um right. right. And uh so basically once kind of that nickel back gig ended, I did two more kind of albums for that that um that recording studio and then the assistant engineer in that same studio kind of hollered and he was an urban guy too. My homie Latif, shout out Latif. Um, he told me he was starting a studio and he wanted me to be the assistant engineer. So it was kind of my step up from being runner at the bigger studio to being an assistant engineer at the smaller studio. And we handled um, probably at least half the hip hop in Vancouver. We had great clients. We ran for five years. Uh, he ended up moving to New York and I took over the studio for three years and then uh, just ended up getting busy DJing on the road. So kind of hung up the studio hat for a bit. That's cool. And mm-hmm. then um, so when you were DJing on the road, were you I know you had mentioned earlier um, in our interview that you used to do more of like the hip hop uh, beats. Were you like a hip hop DJ? For, yeah, I was like, for um, MCs and stuff like that. Yeah, I was I was a emotions touring MC. Shout out emotions. Um so basically, yeah, I would just, I produced a lot of the tunes for them. So I'd go on the road and just kind of uh, play the instrumentals and do the hand gestures and stuff for him while he'd crush it. 
Cool, dude. And then uh, we, he kind of asked, he's the one that got me into the whole dubstep too. He was like, hey, let's do a dubstep tune on the new record we were working on. And I didn't really know what that was. And I kind of did my version of dubstep at the time. And uh, people seemed to like it. We shot a video for it. And then so at the end of our shows, I would end up playing like, you know, 15, 20 minutes of dubstep just to kind of weird everyone out because it it was just kind of starting to get popping at the time. Yeah, that's awesome. And then those kind of 15 minutes at the end of the sets just turned into longer and longer. And then we were um, kind of morphing more dubstep into our set. So he would be live emceeing, finger drumming, I'd be DJing and... And it was just kind of a big variety hour that we did for a long time in Canada. Cool. And I, mm-hmm. I would I imagine that that became kind of a influential with uh, your style of music then. Um, because uh, the, like over the years, your style of music has been pretty di- diverse. Mm-hmm. Right? So I have to, did that kind of uh, influence, influence that a little bit at all? I mean, definitely. That's just kind of always been my style. Like I, I named myself Stylist because I enjoy so many different styles of music and I'll produce one thing at one day and a total different genre the next and not bad an eye about it. You know, that's always just kind of been my goal is just to make kind of what I'm feeling that day and fun. And never since I got into electronic music, that genres have mattered so much, much. And I really care less about, um, you know, pigeonholing music into genres. I guess that's that's awesome to hear. Uh, you know, we actually were just talking about this yesterday with Kiva. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you find uh, there's ever? I, I think I know what your what your answer is going to be. But do you find um, that you ever withhold releasing tracks because you think, oh, it might not fit with my my brand or my my direction that I'm trying to go with on this project or what whatever? Or do you just kind of let it all let it all out there? I mean, yes and no. Um... Whether it's been the right move, um, like if you go back to my Heat Rocks album or my RYFSO album, they're very diverse. They have drum and bass, they have dubstep, they have chill, they have hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just kind of always done that for better or for worse because that's kind of the artist I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of I, I understand that it makes sense. I've done some EPs where it's like four songs, all the same kind of thing. Like you could play them back to back or whatever, you know, or in the mm-hmm. same set, but for better or worse, I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering the question at all here, but no, you, you totally, you totally are. Um, um, and that's, I've always yeah. just kind of released, I'm, there's definitely some songs, like I got some songs rapping on and some rock songs that I'm singing on that are definitely not getting released with the stylist project. And they're just kind of for me, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I yeah. try and let everything that I'm happy with on the project for sure. That's awesome, man. It's great to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like when that happens versus people just trying to, you know, push out the same stuff over and over and over again. You know, yeah, what I mean? definitely. Because like, I, I don't know. When I was growing up, some of my favorite artists uh, would have just very, very different albums. Um, and then, you know, after like five albums, they might go back and, and dabble with some of their early material. And I think that's what's cool. I mm-hmm. like to always see like a growth with artists. And I think that's what uh, well, I hope I hope that's what fans find interesting and engaging. Yeah, you never know what songs are going to pop. Usually my most like mellow, chill songs are the ones that do the best on Spotify. Isn't they that get crazy? added to the chiller playlists and people just listen to them on repeat when they're, you know, doing homework or driving or whatever. They don't want, you know, heavy stuff in their ear all the time. 
Absolutely. You know what? I've had this thought before where I think like some of those chill playlists can be the most lucrative as far as the artists for getting on there. Uh, Definitely. Because, because I know like a handful of baristas at coffee shops, when they just get in at the beginning of the day, they put that playlist on and just put it on repeat. And all of a sudden you got X amount of coffee shops around the country doing that and around the world doing that. And how many of those plays are repeating and then just, yeah, right. you know, logarithmic. After that. I got to start a coffee shop playlist. I was don't just going to say, if you work at a coffee shop, you know what to do now. Now you know what to do, everybody. Stylist and Megan's coffee shop playlist. What do you think? <laughs> Stream all day. That's what we're, we're going to do, guys. That's how, and that's how we'll take over the world. Yeah. Um, cool. Barista jams. Barista okay, jams. so here's a question. I went and did karaoke last night. <laughs> Good on you. Is that a question or a statement? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there, dickhead. That okay. was a comma. Okay. All right. All right. What's your go-to, Jeff? Man, oh, I haven't done it for years. Oh, it's I know what be- we're doing in LA. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go into those Asian karaoke places where you get your own little room. Oh, you get your own room. And you can order food yeah. and shit, and you're just with your homies, and you can just get wasted and drink sake by yourselves and you, watch you know each what? other I'm, beat horrible. I've never done that, tell you the we truth. Got so to do it. we got to do that. And there's all enough right. places in, in Koreatown out here. I see them all the time. Holy shit, dude. I'm so on board, and I'm totally bringing a Korean with me. Yeah, Who? and we'll, we'll get Jimmy. some boba, boba <laughs> tea. Jimmy's coming with me. He, he's he's the one that told me that they do that. Oh, really? Yeah, because when he went to Japan... Oh, yeah, um, it's a big thing. Yeah, he did it a bunch in Japan, so I'm totally going to make him come. I mean, we need <laughs> anyway. someone to teach us the ropes, too. You can't yeah, just go yeah. in there willy-nilly. Yeah, yeah we've right. got our resident <laughs> Asian coming with us. Cool. <laughs> but to answer your question, it'd probably be like, you know... A Pearl Jam or a, a Guns N' Roses jam, something like that. All right, Sweet. all right. So, cool, something cool. I can wail and, and get into some, nice. get, get lost in some electric guitar. Nice. <laughs> Pat, Pat, what's your go-to? Uh, it's um, it's a song by this Canadian band uh, called Nickelback. It's called uh, <laughs> look, look at this photograph. <laughs> Say it twice. <laughs> it's a song by the the greatest band in the world. It's called Hero. Nickelback. Uh, <laughs> it's a hero. No, I don't know. I think my um, I always you pick... were a little bitch last night. And you wouldn't do it. Yeah, wow. I didn't do it. I, I, I did. I, I, I should have bought you another shot of tequila. No, no, because I needed to drive. Not home. even a, a eight bar verse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what? I used to do um, Spin Doctors a lot back oh, like in the that. day. I used to do uh, Two Princes by Spin Doctors. So Is that if I you want to call me baby? Um, if you... Go ahead now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I think that's the one. I can't remember. They have two oh, yeah. songs that <laughs> sound the same. I don't I know that, why that era of music just made me think of um, that stupid How Bizarre song. Well, you know? that's, that All is the yeah, fellows totally. in the back cruising down the freeway. Well, that's because that is that hot, era. Hot sun. I think that is that era. That might that might be like right around the same time. Holy shit. I'm going to do How Bizarre next time we go to the Vegas Lounge. Okay. I like it. Do it. Dude, we got this spot here that's 24-7 basically karaoke. Three, like 365, seven days a week. All wow. day karaoke. Legit. <laughs> yeah. It's an unbelievable. It's the diviest dive ever. <laughs> and you do it. Is it private rooms or you do it in front of the full bar? In the full bar. Full and bar. like Because that's the one time I did there, it. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, in a whole room? I was just going to say, the people that work there have like, they're all like 100 years old and they've never had another <laughs> job. Like, that's the kind of place that it is. <laughs> yeah, the one time I did leave. do it, it was pretty funny. It was in um, an RV campsite on July 4th in San Diego. It was called Campland. Campland. Yeah, it was was bloody hilarious. And I think we did um, a Gorillaz 
tune, but it ended up being like the jungle remix version of the gorillas tune. <laughs> oh shit. So it was just it was a disaster. And I ended up freestyling <laughs> over the jungle. I had nothing to do with their lyrics. It was Oh my God. Dude, that's that, hilarious. That would be very hard, I think. Dude, that yeah. makes me think of that viral video of that that woman in a camping in a campground doing karaoke um, to a Missy Elliott song, and she like murks every <laughs> oh, word. I was that. it? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. That was a backyard barbecue or something. She was just fucking. Yeah, yeah. She was crushing it. Yeah, whatever. Make blah blah blah. I need a glass of water. Yeah. That bitch. It wasn't until she did like the reverse part perfectly, and then I was like, okay. Is your and I love how she did. She was like, is your flimmin' nippus flan yet? <laughs> oh, okay. You got it too, though. That was that was nice. That was nice. You you've done that a few times. If you Go got on. a big, let me search you. Let's find out how hard I gotta work you. That, that? <laughs> That's how she says it. <laughs> anyway, good. that shit's awesome. Yeah. Uh, hey. So Jeff, um, big news on the horizon. You got you got a new EP coming out. I heard. Yeah, I actually got a new full album that a I've been working album. on. Oh, really hey. excited. It's called uh, Activated. I got nine or ten tunes for it so far, so just kind of want to round it up, maybe a few more. Very cool. And um, I know we were talking about this the other day, but September sometime, you're thinking? Yeah, hopefully it'll be a a September release for sure. Cool. Very cool. Um, that should be that should be perfect because uh, this we'll probably get this episode out here like at the end of end of August. So all our listeners. you know, we'll be ready for it. Yeah, go click that pre-save link. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, go pre-save that, and then write that stylist uh, Megan Hamilton coffee shop playlist and just dot org repeat dot org. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. So, uh, how did you? What What can we expect from you on this on this album? Um, yeah. So this is kind of a collection of the last two years okay. of kind of my studio work. Um, I've done a bunch of singles and a few EPs in the main meantime, but this is kind of all my best stuff from the last two years. And, uh, I'm really excited about it. It's kind of heavier than ever. Okay. Um, but in kind of a very warm hip hop melodic way. I like that a lot. That so sounds great. a lot of the tunes are kind of starting with a hip hop break or kind of a trap break. And then they kind of go into a drop and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be a great, like listen through album and, uh, yeah, really excited about it. Cool. I'm Sto- excited about stoked it. Stoked to have another full uh, project on there. Yeah. Because I noticed when I drop these EPs, four, six song albums, that they just get buried in my Spotify playlist. It's like the top five, and then it goes right to albums. And so my last album was, I think, 2015 with Heat Rocks. So it's time to follow it up big. That's a, it's interesting thing that you touched on there um, when you go into Spotify and you go to the artist page and like, uh, especially a lot of people in um, quote, quote EDM, uh, I always kind of kind of laugh at the term. But um, a lot of people in electronic music who release singles and EPs, you're right on Spotify. When you have to go down that extra section, it's just kind of a pain in the ass to get there. Yeah, they just like kind of get lost it, a bit. Yeah, and I think a lot of them do get kind of lost in the ether. And you know that that's something interesting. I guess I've never even thought about when mm-hmm. it comes to browsing on Spotify. I was like going against the grain a bit. Everyone seems to be focused on singles and these tiny little albums every two months. So I really want mm-hmm. to kind of put out a heartfelt project that'll last a couple of years and, you know, keep me on the road doing that. So that's Absolutely. kind of my goal with this one. You know, I wonder now that we're just talking about this, I wonder if 
when you submit, like through whatever your distribution company you're, you're working with, I wonder if you submit uh, a project, even if it was like a four track EP and you called it a quote album, I wonder if that would trick Spotify. Uh, no, it doesn't. So Spotify to, can, to count as an album, it has to be seven songs or more or okay. 30 minutes or more. Uh, okay, I see. So that's the way that it calculates whether it's an album or not. It's our algorithm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Very cool. The more you know. Yeah. So I'm calling the album Activated. Okay. And uh, there's kind of a cool story behind that. Um, I was just in Canada recently for a couple shows. And uh, my brother invited me to this kind of, uh, it's basically a, a shaman thing where um, you take a 5-MeO DMT dosage. Okay. And you kind of blast off with that. And um, basically what it is, it's the, um, it's the toad venom kind of secretion that you smoke. Okay. A- and it's a type of uh, a DMT. And it kind of uh, – it was really crazy. The actual trip was only about half an hour. And it wasn't super visual. You you kind of go into this kind of crazy white light, and it's almost impossible to describe. So I'm going to kind of try and do my best here. But you just kind of like you see, I I went into my past. I went into my old first DJ setup, and like it, you just kind of go through your life, and you kind of realize that there's an inner being, an inner god inside you, pushing you in the direction you're going and really just to trust it and you see the moving parts of the world all kind of working together Mm -hmm. and you just realize you're part of this flow and this motion and just to go with it and not to worry about what anyone else is doing you know what I mean just uh Mm -hmm. enjoy your path and you're on the right one and follow the signals and stuff like that Mm-hmm. So it was really a huge awakening experience for me. And I've produced more than half the album since that. And it's my strongest material ever. And things have just been seeming to fall together since then. So it was a pretty crazy experience for me. And uh, it wasn't necessarily the trip that um, kind of sparked this kind of change within me. It was really the next few days of putting your life back together a little bit. What it is... Mm-hmm or the best way to explain it is like kind of like a hard drive ref- or reformatting your hard drive of yourself, you know? So you kind of drop mm-hmm. all the, I dropped all the negative shit out and kind of put the best stuff back together and kind of just feel like I have so much more room in my path for information and just positive stuff. And I'm more perceptive about things around me and connecting with my friends better and just, mm-hmm. just being more present, which is, been awesome for me yeah um that sounds great man and i absolutely agree i always think like um i mean i haven't, I haven't tried that uh that toad venom version of mm-hmm. dmt that you did but i think when you do any type of um hallucinogenic it's kind of uh if, if it's a good experience it, it feels like a, a hard reset on your brain and your, yeah. your life and, and like, i've never really allowed yeah. myself to do that i'm not uh i'm you know just kind of a. Uh, a beer and weed guy, you know, in mm-hmm. general. So I don't like, you know, losing control on drugs or not feeling in control. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, my brother is the same way and he's a very experienced business professional. So for him to even bring this up, uh, he's the only one that I'd even like consider doing it with, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Uh, and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so when the offer offer presented itself, me and my wife, we we were in um, Vancouver at the time. We took uh, the ferry over to Bowen Island and and spent the day over there with them, and it was it was amazing. That's that's fantastic, man. I'm glad you had a a great experience. I I don't really do that type of stuff a lot either, but um, every time I've I've done it, especially the first time I did, I had a fantastic experience like that as well. Pretty mm-hmm. life changing, and uh, it is great. It's it is uh, it's great that you had um, an experience like that, and it's kind of like a reaffirmation of of what you're doing is going to be okay. Uh, if you've ever had any self doubt, um, yeah. It, it just kind of goes away and you, it gives you more confidence to go forward, like you said, in that path and direction that you're heading. Totally. I mean, like after being 10 years in the industry, you have so many, like being in these festivals, you have so much energy that's pushed upon you and you mm-hmm. absorb it all. And through social media, you see all these posts that might make you jealous or why didn't this happen for me, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So there's so much, you know, kind of collusion going on that kind of doesn't let you be your best self or set yourself in the right direction every day. You know, if you wake up and you're on the phone within two minutes of waking up and you're all, something's already upset you on your phone or triggered mm-hmm. you or something, you know, that's going to affect you for the rest of your whole day. Right. So what I've been trying to practice now is not being on social media at all for the first hour. I'll wake up, um, hang out with my wife, play with our bunny a little bit. And then go work out and then come back and that and have a coffee outside. And only after that will I kind of turn on notifications on my phone and and be ready to face all this bullshit that's going to be thrown at me. This information super highway of nonsense, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So it's filtering out that kind of stuff and and putting yourself in a better creative zone. That was really helpful for me. For sure. I try to read for like a half hour when I wake up every day, just go yeah. sit on the porch before yeah. I get into That's a great all that practice. shit because it can just fuck with you immediately. If you mm-hmm. wake up and see something that is like slightly discouraging or even seeing someone else doing well can fuck with you. And I mean, I'm not like a person that wouldn't wish well on any of my peers that are doing this, obviously. But, you know, you can't help those feelings of jealousy sometimes just being... Like yeah, it's, it's something that that's kind of yeah. in the back of your mind. And in usually it's you seeing your friends doing these things, which is kind of like a double entendre because you want to be 100% happy, but then you're like, oh, why did this happen for me? And I now think it's just, just kind of like, yeah, it's totally human. And, you know, and with the social media stuff pushing it in our face, it's just impossible to escape, really. So I'm just like at a much happier place now, which I feel that's really good cool. about. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I personally like to, um, and I'm I'm really bad at doing this, but I I enjoy exercising kind of right away in the day because I think that kind of just kind of gets your yayas out, and then everything seems to be, everything throughout the rest of the day seems to be a little bit easier or yeah, definitely less stressful. With this album, I kind of like I worked out kind of every morning. And what I do during my workout is just listening to the song or the songs I was working on the previous day, you know, run them three or four times in a row each. And then I'd have a clear vision of once I got into the studio of exactly what I wanted to do with those songs. So it was kind of part of my um, production process. And it was a really important part. It was the most critical listening where I'm not in front of my computer. I can't change anything in the song. I just have to listen to it, you know, as it is and think about what I want to do with it, you know? Absolutely. So it was a great part of that process. 
Uh, it's kind of speaking along uh, about your process. Um, do you have a, a kind of similar workflow? If you're, let's say, you're going in and starting on a, a tune from scratch, uh, how do you how do you approach it from your workflow? Is it different every time, or do you have a routine? Um, I don't have a like. A lot of the times, I start with melody in songs rather than drums. I find if I have just a drum loop, I'll kind of produce. Um, stuff that works with that drum loop and it might be a little too mechanical. So I like to start with melody and stuff and build mm -hmm. the vibe of the song before I build the kind of meat and potatoes. Sure. So, um, but as far as like routine and stuff, no, there's not a crazy routine. I find I start a lot of songs before noon. You know what I mean? That's my creative blank space time. And then mm -hmm. I like editing them later in the, afternoon after like a two hour break where you can kind of reflect on them. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you, I know there's like some, some of my friends who will produce like the drop first, like every time, is that something you do or do you, does it? No, I've, I've done that a few times and it, it doesn't create the best results for me. Okay. I know sometimes when I collab with different people, that's how we start and you know, that's fine. But, um, I find if I do that, it's not always the best for me. Yeah, I've tried that a few times as well. And um, I find that the only reason that I like to use that technique is if I'm trying to make a fucking banger. Yeah, that I have is this really the bad tendency the too. I have this really bad tendency of making songs to chill if I start on the intro. Mm. They never mm -hmm. build up as much as I kind of would like them to, and they end up just being a lot more low energy than I want them to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I like really want something to go hard, I'll just start with that so that I am making the right decisions right off the bat because <laughs> I know myself finally. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. You just got to make sure you're not recreating someone else's song when you're doing that kind of process or you know, just taking the easiest road out to make that loop yeah. as heavy as possible. Just try and keep Yeah, some I feel like a lot of people do that. Like some people, I don't, it, it's it's weird to me when someone will be like, yeah, I made this song. It's kind of sounds like this and this. It's like, I feel like some people will literally like put in a master of a different song that they're trying to mimic and almost yeah. like sit there and redesign it. And I've like talked to producers that that's their like main technique. And I don't see why I understand like adapting a concept or like an a part of a song from somebody, but to build an entire track based off of what someone else has done is not only weird to me, but mm -hmm. also is more of just like a learning um, technique. I would say like when you're trying to learn to produce mm. like something more valuable in that. Yeah, definitely. Rather than releasing it as a song kind of thing. I'm with yeah. That. It's like if you're, if all you're doing is trying to sound like somebody else, what are you doing anyway? You're kind of wasting your time. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. But it, there is something to be said about reverse engineering other people's totally, tunes totally. and stuff like that. And you're right, totally as a learning process. But best, yeah, to, I think best to come with your most unique foot forest, I find, especially with so many artists and how easy it is to get a, hot, a hold of these high-quality samples and you know just put together push-and-play songs. It's easier than ever. You know, with mm -hmm. tools like Splice and all these amazing preset packs we're getting for Serum and stuff like that. So, really, you got to fight being too normal these days. I find. <laughs> do you guys? Do you guys think I should uh, download Serum? I've been toying with the idea for like a year. I mean, I, I love think you're Serum. crazy if you don't. Yeah, <laughs> I just paid mine off finally. I got mine from Splice, and it's all nice. paid off. Skirt. Right. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's a great thing that Splice is doing for up and coming 
It really producers fucking that is, couldn't dude. Holy necessarily shit. afford the whole synth. You can pay ten bucks a month and be over it. And that's my first DAW. Like my first DAW plugin was Serum that I bought. Really? Yeah, one hundred percent. And yeah. not to say I pirated a bunch or anything. Logic is just got a lot Logic of really has great, a lot built of in great built-in plugins. In so stuff. I didn't yeah. feel mm-hmm. like I really needed it until I was really trying to find some. Yeah, unique it's really sound the design. first like soft synth that I feel like I know every parameter and I I can achieve exactly what I'm looking for with the synth instead of kind of having a bunch of happy accidents with, with massive, it had so many controls that weren't super user friendly and I wasn't really getting into it. I was using more presets and then adapting the presets. But with serum, I can start with a triangle and get exactly where I want to go. Okay. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because I was literally just going to say with massive, that's what I use right now. And Mm -hmm. I struggle with it just because uh, it is it. It has so much to offer, and I think the sounds it, are great in there. But it is a little finicky to use. Yeah, I think you'll you really know. enjoy Serum. Okay. It's really unique and really simple to use. Cool. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm doing right now with Massive. Is like I'll find some presets that I like and then kind of tweak them from there to to taste. Mm-hmm. But even that can get can really bog you down. It can be a tedious process. Yeah. Um, when you don't know what the parameters are going to do, they might do something good. They might not bad. That's not kind of how you want to make do sign design right. Right. like yeah, there's exactly. happy accidents are great and they happen to me all the time but you know um that's not how you want to approach it all the time yeah I absolutely find. absolutely um well hey jeff uh we're probably going to wrap it up thanks so much for uh coming on here but before we go do you have anything you want to say to all the kids out there listening hey my pleasure <laughs> uh no just uh you know Big up the the Green Room podcast. Thank you, Megan and Pat. Shout out. Cop that new stylist. Come come to our shows. Come hang. Come meet the people. Buy some merch. Have a good time. We love y'all. Peace. Oh, yeah, we love dude. you. We love the kids. That's Very like nicely the end of the done. show. Mike end drop. of the show ramp. Look out for Activated coming soon, guys. Um, and Jeff, thanks so much again, man. Bless yeah, up. Thank you guys it, so man. much. Big yeah, love. Yeah, dude. Have a great day. Cheers, you too. All right. Thank you for hanging out with us, Jeff. We really appreciate Jeff. it. Jeff. Oh, yeah. I'll probably see you soon at a festival. I think we're on some yeah, upcoming stuff. Are you going out to LA sometime, sometime soon? Yeah, I am. Uh, next month, actually. September really? 21st, I'll be at Same Same But Different Festival. It's about 90 miles outside of Los Angeles between there and San Diego. So I'll be there. We could just run over um, what I've got coming up really quick, actually. Yeah. Why um, don't you? Like I said, I just got back from Denver last weekend. I just played at Cervantes Masterpiece, which I always love. Uh, shout out to Cervantes and Denver Kush Club for always showing us the best time. Uh, I might have eaten like too many edibles while I was there, to be honest with you, but it happens to the best of us. It's been known to happen. Yes, it is known. So anyway, uh, next week I get to go to Texas with Kofresi. So I'll be there on the 5th, 6th, and 7th. I'll be in Houston, then Dallas, then Austin. And I get to bring a TM with me, which I never have done before, really, except for when we were with the Bermudas, like driving with Chuck and stuff. But right. flying a TM with me for the first time. Boom. So Jimmy Townsend. Jimmy Townsend. Will be coming with you. me and uh, helping out with some of the driving and loading and making sure that everything's G. And making then, sure nobody gets into trouble, keeping kids yeah, out of the shenanigans. Yeah. And then I'm stoked, too, because I'll be down in, in Texas and our last stop is Austin. So I'll be able to hang out with the pivotal people, uh, my management who I don't get to like hang out with in person a lot. 
yeah, that'll be cool just to like work in person finally. We love you guys. While. Yeah, they're the shit. They um, are the best, right? I, I love them. So then um, I'll be in at same, same, but different on the 21st. And then on the 28th, I'll be in Chicago with Kofresi at the Chop Shop again, which I love the Chop Shop. They have such delicious food. And uh, I get to go into grassroots while I'm in there. I think we're doing a little meet and greet. So we'll give you more deets the on grassroots that. Grassroots Chicago? Yeah. Uh, headquarters? Yeah. Not headquarters, but their, their shop. Their office, yeah. Yeah, in downtown. It's a cool little shop. V cool. Yeah. And so that's what I got coming up for September. And then super pumped for November 1st, me and Maddie will be out in Brooklyn at the Knitting Factory. So I've got some fun stuff coming up. And LA and NYC are some bucket list cities Ooh, that I've not to... spent time in. So I'm really excited about that. Are you going to hit up? Brandon, while you're out there? Who? Oh, yeah, Bureaucratic. Yeah, yeah, I was going to do that. I'm going to hang out. I'm staying with Anna Yvette. Oh, are you really? Yeah, so that's really exciting. She's, I'm going to try not to fangirl you, Anna, but I love the fuck out of you, so it might be hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, and if you haven't, you can go back. We have episodes with Kofresi, with Brandon, with Bureaucratic, and with, and with Anna, Anna, Yvette. Anna Yvette. So go back into our back catalog and, and peep those out. And speaking of our back catalog, we're very excited. We are now available on Spotify. So you can subscribe and follow us on Spotify. You can find us and on SoundCloud. Yep, We're now iTunes on Stitcher and, and on Stitcher. iTunes podcasts. So yeah. pretty much any any platform that you want to listen to us on, we're available on there. Mm-hmm. We have a new pod link that you can just go find very easily for the yep. podcast. And, and that's super exciting to be available yeah. on all those platforms so people can really pick and choose what they prefer to be on, which I know is like a big thing for me. Yeah, it is for me too because I do like using SoundCloud and I think it's an easy app, but I know there's a lot of people out so there. You're who a Spotify don't. person, probably. I, I am a Spotify yeah. person. And I'm a SoundCloud person. So there you yeah. go. Um, it's nice that we can listen on whatever we want now. And speaking of other ways to follow us, be sure you follow us uh, on, on any of those sites of your choice. But we also are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us. We post little updates throughout the week, talking about some of our next guests. Talking and we'll have about some, some video content here soon as well, which and is some exciting. video so. content. So you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com uh, backslash greenroompodcast.mn or just search greenroompodcast and find us. Instagram at greenroompodcast and Twitter. This is a weird one. At GRP podcast. Yeah, it's GRP podcast. That's And if what, you guys have any issues ever finding yeah. us on iTunes or whatever, when you search Green Room Podcast, it is tough because there are a few other people that have that name as well and that have mm-hmm. been around a little longer than us. So just go back to our Instagram or go to our Facebook. You can really easily click our pod link from our most recent episode and it will take you to all of the available episodes that we have on any platform mm-hmm. that you want. So yeah, that's easy if you are getting confused and annoyed. Right. Just and take if, that route. if you like what you hear, if you hate what you hear, leave us a review let us know what you think. If you guys ever have any like feedback for us, by the way, or any suggestions for guests or like artists that you would love us to interview, or maybe like part of the industry that we haven't touched on yet in terms of production or management or things like that, we'd always love to hear feedback from you guys. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, we'd love to hear from you too. You can hit us at mhbgreenroompodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's all we got for you guys this week. And we'll see you guys next time on the Green Room Podcast.